If you've struggled with stress, balance, or burnout, and simply felt discouraged or even defeated, if you're ready to move from force to flow and enjoy ultimate Zen success in your career, health, or relationships, then this podcast is for you. Your host, Carissa Sims, is an entrepreneur, corporate consultant, best-selling author, meditation teacher, and healer who has found her own Zen success. Here's your host, Carissa. Welcome to this week's episode of Zen Success. Today with me, I have the pleasure of speaking with C. Von Hassett and Rachel Reed Wilkie. Let me tell you about C. Von Hassett and Rachel. They say they are co-conspirators in all things with a heavy emphasis on spirit which together they've been exploring since the day they met. I'll have to hear about the day you met throughout the years. They have collaborated on numerous projects in the arts, both in LA and New York city. Their time in the East village culminated in a monumental exhibition documents of love Aww, at the Fame Hospital Gallery in Chelsea, where the couple exhibited a diverse body of work, poetry, paintings, photography, a short film to the attendance of thousands. Oh my gosh, you are both creative geniuses. That's amazing. Upon returning to LA, they founded Riot Material Magazine, a now thriving and widely read literary cultural magazine with its eye on art, word, and forward aiming thought. Welcome. Thank, Thank you, you for so having much. us. We're so happy to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to talk with you. Okay, so I obviously we we're going to be talking about so many things, but I, I do want to know how you met and how you felt when you first met. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll try and keep it brief because oh, I oh, is this like a whole night story? <laughs> no, yeah, I'll keep actually, it really well, it is a whole life story, but no, I'll, okay. I'll keep it really sweet and short and sweet. Um, we were introduced by a mutual friend of ours, um, but we had this immediate connection, and a few days later, I was actually heading out to the desert on my own to find myself I was in a and what in, desert like the Sahara Desert the no, Mojave, Mojave Desert in Mojave. California oh yeah. okay and so I was heading out there in my little cranked out old car and I was just gonna go and be there for about a week on my own in the desert and I just had water avocados and little peanut bars and um so Chris reached out to me because we'd just met and said, hey, do you want to meet up on Saturday? And I said, well, I'm actually going to be out in the desert. And he said, well, I'll come and find you. <laughs> <laughs> that is so romantic. <laughs> and I thought to myself, that's impossible. I, I, and of course, I'm, I'm English, grown up in England, so I had no idea what this desert was. Um, but I said, I'm going to Red Rock Canyon. And I, at that point, didn't know what it was anyway so I'm there for a few days and I'm literally I found a beautiful little cave in the rock so I'm sleeping in a cave for a few <laughs> nights and then Saturday night rolls on and um and I'm actually taking a little afternoon nap because it was so hot and then I wake up and this shadow looming shadow was over me and there was Chris he literally found me in my he spotted my car and then found me in my little cave 
And so there he was. And we just spent this beautiful night together. Uh, we just slept on the rocks overnight. And I'm not joking. There was even a full moon that night. <laughs> wow. And Chris, how did you find her? Did you pick up her scent or did you follow an intuitive hit? <laughs> well, my heart led, led the way. And no. Yes. Uh, I, I mean, I've lived in California all my life. I know the deserts pretty well. And when she said wow. Red Rock Canyon, that was easy. wow that's amazing um so today you know i wanted to talk about um this whole new philosophy what you're what you're doing um dog jen and can you tell me how to pronounce it zog chen zog chen okay Beautiful. And I have actually never heard of this. I've been meditating and in spiritual practice with many leaders. And so I was so excited to learn something new and to be exposed to this. So what is this and why are you so passionate about bringing this practice to the world? Yeah, well, um, I'm passionate because it's, it's truly uh, an amazing practice. And, um, I'm, but I'm blown away time and again, how many uh, meditation practitioners have not heard of this tradition. And it seems like most people these at this moment haven't heard of it, but it is gaining traction in the States uh, after about 30 or 40 years of being in the West. Um, it was, it came out of Tibet uh, when the Chinese invaded Tibet and pre-invasion, it was very much a hermetic tradition it's kind of the peak tradition of Buddhism, but it's also the peak tradition of uh, Bon. Um, so it's not really a Buddhist practice per se, but it is, it is a peak. It's above those two practices in the Tibetan tradition. And when the Chinese invaded, they kind of dispersed all the great masters to the West. And they, born of their tradition, kind of kept it quite quiet for about a decade or so. But there were rumblings and there was, you know, kind of like a call for them to start speaking to this very, very uh, high level practice called Dzogchen and students were asking for the teachings and they all agreed that this now's the time to share it out. So beginning in around the nineties, it really began to take root. I mean, it was being practiced in the eighties, but by the nineties, it was starting to gain little communities like here in, in the West and in, in Europe. And I really stumbled on it in the 90s, in the early 90s. Um, the literature on it was very difficult to find, but the teachers were there. And, but now about 40 years later, it's really quite available. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm one of the few Western practitioners that's out speaking about it, but there are great Tibetan masters still alive today who are out there teaching it. Mm. And, and did you learn from a Tibetan master? I did. I learned from several Tibetan masters and Rachel and I are going to go again this year to uh, spend time with another master. Um, there's, there's a few younger, um, you know, the sons of incredible masters that died off in the nineties um, and their sons are now practicing today. And, and so they're, they're continuing with the lineage and, you know, it's, it's a living lineage. It's, it's also like the, the teachings themselves are almost like a living organism um and they're very effective and very profound Mm. and then did you introduce this practice to rachel i did yes Mm. Yes. and what makes it different so why do you feel like this is the way this is like what it is for you both 
Yeah, well, all traditions uh, are great. Yeah, and all meditative traditions are are incredible because they they allow you to rest within, they allow you to settle and and kind of relax and really explore yourself, or explore your relationship to the world and try to align your inner world to it all. And this is this is great. But what Dzogchen does is it takes it a step further, and it's one of the only traditions that I know of, if not the only tradition, that says, okay, now now that you're in there, I'm going to point you to your own natural state. This is the state that gives rise to everything, our perceptions, the human body, the earth, all of it. Um, And so the Dzogchen teachings give you a very specific and direct entry into looking at your natural state, becoming familiar with it instructing you on how to rest there and get to know it and in that resting the the gems of the practice arise what is our natural state our natural state is two things it's emptiness and this emptiness is filled with awareness and emptiness only means uh the awareness that things aren't as we perceive them to be so the world is, you know, we call it, you know, we have our body and we we're really attached to this body, but in reality, the body's within the awareness. And when you look in, when you start to perceive from the natural state, you begin to recognize that. So you're no longer so attached to the body and therefore you're no longer so attached to all the various things in the world. You don't get wounded so easily. Um, it's so the natural state is basically space with awareness. Mm. Interesting. And why do you think they kept this practice secret or why um, so many people still don't know about it? Mm. Yeah, it's hard to know why, why they kept it secret. There could have been many, many cultural reasons for that. That um, mm-hmm. Persecution, not- maybe? or Well, early on, yes. Could have been, yes. Okay. And um, we, at this point, wouldn't like to assume and wouldn't like to sort of minimize it to that or diminish it to oh, that. Oh, sure. I'm, I'm sure that must have been part of it. But what is um, quite beautiful and fascinating about how they kept it secret is that back in the day, over hundreds and hundreds of years, um, each master was actually only allowed to give the teachings to one of their students in their lifetime. And then that who then became a master, that master then could only give it to one student in their lifetime. So, so it was really high teachings of the tradition. So, um, you know, um, of course, it's a tragedy. um, What's happened to Tibet with the invasion of the Chinese, but it's also been a blessing to the West that this has actually opened the doors to these precious teachings Wow, that's incredible. So it's only passed on to one person and that person maybe had to be chosen. Like, so for example, when both of you were learning, they don't have that tradition anymore. They, it's just anyone can learn. And that's why you're coming out. That's right. I believe there was a a master. I don't remember his name right now, but he was um, a prophetic master and he actually envisioned that the West will be the next opening of um, the Dzogchen tradition and the West will soon be ready for it. And when the invasion came of Tibet, then um, the Tibetan masters realized, okay, this is our sign that we can now open the doors to more students and masters are allowed to pass down the transmissions to as many students as they like in their, in their lifetime. 
Mm, that's amazing. So, so Sivan, when you met this, these masters, was there kind of like a recognition? Did, did you find them or did you meet them serendipitously? Like how did that happen? Well, I, I found the, the, the teachings, uh, serendipitously, um, but, and there was an immediate recognition because, you know, if you're really on a, if you're pursuing spirit and you're trying to, you're trying to get the gist of, of these great teachings that all, any teachings of Buddhism, Zen, all, you know, all, um, there's, there's so much of it that resonates with us, but then there's little bits here and there that raise red flags or a bit confusing, or that doesn't quite work for me specifically. Um, and for me, that was always a little bit of a problem. And then I, uh, I was reading in certain Buddhist texts, you know, these references to Dzogchen, and I would go to the index and find who who, was, who wrote that, and then find the book. And, and so I started just diving deep and started stumbling on uh, a kind of these names of certain teachers who were practicing, who were uh, teaching in the 90s, and got their books and started reading them and just started recognizing that there was no red flags going on here. Every single thing that was being spoken to because it's very narrow. I mean, it's a very narrow tradition in some, in many ways, you know, the way in. And so uh, they're basically flawless, these teachings. And then when I, I, I did decide to go see uh, a few masters and, you know, they were just like right to the point here, here's the way in. And so I just, I just was hooked. And they welcomed you when yes. you just bought your ticket and you said, I'm here. And they're just yeah, like, you okay, sign up, you sign up for the retreat. You know, you call, you know, back in the nineties, you would make a phone call. <laughs> oh. and, they, you know, <laughs> and they asked for the phone. Yeah, you you know, are like, ready. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, well, they would ask if you're ready. Have, have you received the transmission? No, you know, like, well, you need to, you need to go to the group Sangha and, you know, kind of like get oriented and all that. So, you know, there was a little bit of some formalities going on then. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, I think it's even opened up quite a bit more. It's even much more fluid now. Oh, that's exciting. It's what an adventure to discover this. So how can Zokchen help with anxiety, fear, anger, depression, and addiction? All the issues we ever need now <laughs> and pain. No, <laughs> you can, well, you can just cover those first <laughs> Yeah. I want my addictions. Uh, well, like, is it a healthy addiction? Celery <laughs> yeah. juice, you know, I don't know. Right. Okay. I mean, I've, I've battled addictions in my lifetime. You uh, have. I think, I think any and all of us who are like craving to know answers, mm. seeking comfort in all different ways, mm. this can lead to addiction. Mm. Uh, this can also lead to depression. And because we're not, our needs aren't being met on a spiritual level. So, you know, we're, we're thwarted on the spiritual level and then we're forced to seek gratification on a, on the level of the body. And when that doesn't work, we get depressed or, you know, abuse enters our lives. We get anxiety or, so all of these things arise within us in a very normal fashion as humans. And Dzogchen looks, points you right into that, that thicket and it, it asks you to kind of sit in there and observe it all. And mm. then it asks you to observe below it. And where is it all rising out of? Oh. And the very act of doing this is like a vaporizer. It just literally 
these these conditions just kind of disappear mm. and so you're not really necessarily trying even though in the back of your mind you think oh i would love to get rid of my anxiety i would love to get rid of this depression but my priority right now is to understand my own mind mm. so understand these teachings because the teachings are really exciting in many ways mm -hmm. you're you're trying to get a hold of them and you're trying to un intellectually understand them so you're you're kind of pulled in and this is a pleasure and in doing that, you're resting in, you're, you're beginning to make progress, again, more pleasure. And as you begin to proceed and, and progress, all of these old uh, conditions that you were battling disappear on their own. Mm -hmm. And you look back months later and you go, oh, my God, you know, this situation should have triggered all these things and it no longer does. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's just, you know, kind of miraculous. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. And you found the same, Rachel? Yes, definitely. Um, I mean, I'll say actually, since um, since I've started practicing Zochen, of course, I was I was so fortunate because Chris already had the massive library of books. So um, you know, when I was drawn into it, I've I was just like, give me another one, give me another one. And so um, you know, Chris has been handing me book after book after book, and and I'll second what he says. The the writings of the great Tibetan masters, it's almost like their, their knowledge and their, and their wisdom is literally transmitted through the page to you. So you, wow. can, you can deem a lot of the knowledge through reading their words. And, and a lot of their books are actually transcribed from them speaking um, to their gathered Sangha. And it's, it's really beautiful to um, receive these teachings through the written word. I'm obviously very excited to go on retreat later this year and, and meet a master. Um, but that's not to say that you can't start without. So I've been a few years in now. And, um, and I feel that these few years are my preparatory um, years in order to get me ready for the presence of a master. And um, I'm super excited about that. With this so far, um, I mean, I've, I, I, I never used to like to call myself an alcoholic, but I realized I was, um, mm -hmm. and I'm nearly two years without one drop of alcohol. And um, I know this is a direct result from um, this practice. And that's not, again, as Chris said, it's not something that I was trying to eliminate from my life. It's mm -hmm. not something that I'm using um, force to push out. I was not resisting it. It began to fall away. It lost its hold on me. And from one day to the next, I was able to, to say, okay, I'm, I actually don't think I'm going to drink today. And then this grew into almost two years. Oh, that's amazing. What a testimonial for Zogchen and um, just your whole ascension of where, where you're going, because I, I believe that the alcohol doesn't really belong in, in this new ascension or, or whatever you're, you're feeling and learning through Zogchen, maybe even too. Yes. And actually that's very interesting point you brought up because I, I noticed a significant difference when I was meditating and practicing Zogchen while still drinking every day. And then noticing the shift that happened just a few months in after having stopped drinking. And I felt that my whole meditation practice and the, and the absorption of the teachings 
just went so deep and they became so profound and the experience I was um, I was able to experience was just so incredibly enlivened with um, this cleanliness that my body was experiencing as well so definitely they go hand in hand and actually Chris has a chapter in the book that he's written um, which speaks also to um, how we could um, clean our bodies also from the foods we eat and how we can mm. choose cleanly um, whether it's choosing organic products choosing locally farmed organic products and this also can really um, clean up the body so that our vessels can become um, an open clean um, portal for receiving more wisdom insight oh that's beautiful I love that connection to that too it's like feeding the light body like how are you going to facilitate this new learning or that channeled information coming in. That's beautiful. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Did you want to say something, Sivan? No, but uh, the way you said um, you, you don't feel alcohol belongs in this, uh, this, this moment that triggered a whole cascade of uh, ideas that um, I think you're so right because we've just spent a couple thousand years in this kind of epic of man Mm -hmm. who has essentially devoured the planet and Mm -hmm. just brutalized each other. And throughout that entire period was alcohol. Yeah. Alcohol was part and parcel to our behaviors throughout it all. And I totally agree that I think if we need to rise beyond where we've just been, uh, alcohol must be one of the things we have to let go. Mm, Beautiful. They're going to make me cry, even though it sounds so simple. It's like, yeah. can you imagine yes. yes, the entire world off of alcohol? It's like, that is a complete awakening of humanity. That's amazing. Of course, there are many other drugs and everything that people are on, but, but that one is kind of socially acceptable. I feel yeah. you know, mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. Um, interesting. So Rachel, what do you see? How do you see the relationship between, I mean, you both are artists and creatives, how do you see the relationship between art and meditation or Zokchen? Uh, that's a fantastic we question. And um, I, I really believe that art is one of the last frontiers of our culture and our expression as human beings. And I also believe that meditation and the pursuit of spiritual growth is also the last frontier of our human species. And so for me, they go hand in hand. And and I I love it that um, many artists, um, when they are in that state of creation, they are channeling, they're channeling um, a divine insight, a divine knowledge, the divine flow. Mm -hmm. And, and, And I think that that creative process is a meditative one in many cases and likewise when you're a meditation practitioner you are channeling creativity within you you know it takes it takes creativity to enter that space within and then it also allows creativity to allow what arises from within that natural state and so I see them hand in hand and and I think that um um, you know, C and I, we bring, we, we interweave creativity and meditation into our daily practice every single day. And when I say creativity, it doesn't mean you have to literally be an artist. There's so many different ways that you can create 
um, around you, create loving, caring homes, create and nurture your family. And there's so mm-hmm. many creating beautiful food to nourish and, and create well-being for your friends and family. There's so many different ways to interweave creativity into that spiritual space. So for me, they go hand in hand and you almost can't separate them either. They're, they're, they're one in the same. Mm, that is so beautiful. I've never heard of anyone describe meditation as like moving into creativity. You need to be creative to go into that space. That is so beautiful. It's just like, so flowed how you were talking about that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I do believe that each living human is a creator, a co-creator. And, and, you know, like you said, it's not about being an artist, but maybe, maybe there's <laughs> yeah. an artist in you Absolutely. and you haven't discovered it, you know, be yes. open to that because yes. you never know what the divine has in store for you and what could come out of you. If you just start, just, Absolutely. you know, do something because maybe there's something in you and you think, Oh, well, I'm not an artist. And I have that block too. Like I'll get like an idea of a vision and then like, I may not do it because I have friends are artists and they're so amazing. And I'm just like, blah, I don't know. (laughs) So I have that block too. Yes. I totally understand that. That's, that's, I think a lot of us, um, suffer from that too. And I think some people also who maybe have not yet established a meditation practice, they mm-hmm. may also see themselves that way. Oh, I'm not a meditator. Yeah. Good point. That's so true. I don't have the skills to do it. I was, but it's like everything. Um, we, it's about picking up tools and, and sometimes it's about teaching ourselves too, and just giving yourself a chance. Like you said, um, you know, pick up a pen and start writing or pick up a brush and start mm-hmm. brushing and doesn't matter what it looks like and it's like if you've never meditated before just sit down with yourself for a few minutes in silence and just sit with yourself and it doesn't matter if it's a mess it doesn't matter if thoughts are flinging you all over the place and it's messy and it's confusing and it's frustrating it's okay like a little bit at a time just allow it to unfold and get be patient with yourself and be kind with yourself so i think in that way also the similarities in the way that you can approach these two artistic forms mm-hmm. I mean, the commonality, commonality between the great artist and the great meditator is they allow themselves uh, to go in and explore their inner world without censorship or judgment mm-hmm. and you know the problem with so many of us is that the minute we begin to try something, the inner voice is saying, oh, you can't do this or, mm. oh, that, you, you, that was terrible or, or that drawing is the worst thing. I've ever. So that you're speaking to yourself and shutting yourself down. And so then all of a sudden you're at an art exhibit, right? No, maybe right. not. And then you're famous from it. Right. That's right. That's right. So, you know, I think, I think we need to just stop, uh, you know, like observe the voice that's, uh, you know, critiquing you all the time. And, uh, you know, try to quiet it down and then allow yourself to move past it so you can enter these spaces that are very, you know, almost divine. Ah, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. oh, I'm just like releasing into that space. Oh, that's amazing. Uh-huh. We're there with you. <laughs> Tell me about your latest book, because that's what you're promoting, right? Entering the yes. mind. Was it about and what inspired you to write it? So entering the mind is speaking to the Dzogchen tradition from a perspective of a Western practitioner. 
um, also the perspective of a, a writer um, in the sense that uh, what my first book was um, kind of a poetic exploration of my own inner world and I was developing language to speak to that and it, it's very poetic it's it's not meant for other readers uh, per se uh, but it did teach me it teach me to work with language that I could use to speak to this very difficult space so entering the mind is speaking to this space now from perspective you can do this too we can all enter the mind to see it in its natural state to spend time there and then develop wisdoms that will allow us to live in this contemporary world and hopefully save the earth along with our species um, so the the goal was that is to communicate a very difficult um, practice in, in one sense to it's difficult to speak about it and then the other goal uh, what was the other goal I think that was primary the, pri the primary goal really yes and to and to create a book that has a step-by-step -step, a progressive read so that you can actually enjoy it from start to end and actually and actually follow some of your instructions on how to actually get going with it also yeah. you can really you can really read mm -hmm. entering the mind and and by the time you're done with it, you can have a very good sense of how to approach this practice. Mm -hmm. mm. So how can people buy your book? It's, um, it's on enteringthemind.com. Okay. And there actually, um, there's three tabs. You can actually go straight to the book and, and buy, um, but you can also read about it or read an excerpt chapter. Um, there's also um, another tab, which is the tour, where we're going to be uh, posting this interview along with a few other interviews oh. that we've done. So that will be fun. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's a third tab, which is it's a three part podcast. And it's a podcast that C and I put together of us discussing key concepts in the book. So somebody might wish to um, listen to that first and decide if this is something that they're interested in. And, and we speak to the concepts there. So um, enteringthemind.com. Okay, wonderful. So do you feel that we need a master to learn from? Or do you feel that we can gain a lot of knowledge from the book you wrote and um, from the master within ourselves? Yeah, mm. all of it. Um, you can just begin. I mean, entering the mind was meant for every level of practitioner, including beginners to so just with that one book you're going to you can really move into this practice and gain a foothold um, at some point though it's very important to make sure that you're you're looking in the inner space in a correct way without the ego getting involved and saying oh yeah you're doing perfect amazing and you actually <laughs> might not be so um it's a a, a a good master is going to calibrate that and it's going to, it's going to clarify for you uh, whether you're seeing things correctly or not. Because if you're not seeing things correct, correctly, you can spend a couple of years practicing on your own without any help and, and find out that you've really, you've been just stumbling <laughs> around in your own inner world and it doesn't really, you know, playing with your, playing with yourself. So um, you do at some point need a master to formally pointed out to you and clarify that what you're looking at is actually what you're looking at. But that being said, there's so much you could do prior to that. And there's so much that you could do to just practice within yourself. And you can really trust your instincts that what you're seeing is truly the natural state and spend time there, develop that and calibrate based on entering the mind and other Tibetan textbooks 
and you can have a lot of success. So I think it's a combination of all of it. Mm. Mm, wonderful. And I know I touched on this earlier when I asked the question about depression and anxiety, but what about pain? Do you feel like pain and disease can be transcended with Dzogchen? Well, what's, it, it, yes, what's interesting, absolutely. I was writing this one chapter about uh, addiction and you know how we can look at our own addictions. And w- right in the middle of writing this chapter, Rachel and I were out walking the dogs and fireworks went off in the neighborhood. The dogs bolted and Rachel had a hold of the one of the, or actually maybe one of the dogs and pulled her, she hit, hit the concrete. Oh, the dogs pulled her over on her own hand and she broke her fingers like three of my fingers on my left hand. <laughs> so, so she held her hand up to the sky and it was this witchy <laughs> crooked hand. It was awful. All fingers pointing backwards. And um, pretty much all throughout that night, Rachel employed the practice by looking at the pain directly. And she, she was saying that the pain, I, I even put this in the book as an example of how well this practice works for pain. So mm-hmm. Go ahead. <laughs> well, that's that's all I had. I had a meditation technique. <laughs> so I did, uh, you know, because I, I I assumed they were dislocated as it happens all through the night. The next morning, uh, the hand in the morning looked terrible. So I did actually go to ER and uh, spend more hours in the ER. Um, and they had to actually break my fingers back into a correct shape. Without, without medication. Without medication. So we're and that was about- your choice? No medication? Uh, Probably. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't remember. I Probably. I, it it doesn't sound all. like the doctor would do that. right that's true um and and so for a good 24 hours of course I couldn't sleep the pain was excruciating but I employed this practice and it was incredible when I could get into the space I mean of course it took a little extra effort I would say to get past the pain and get into that space but once I could actually just be there and stare that pain in the face it literally disappeared it now Oh my God. Did you have any feelings like I hate you pain or I love you Uh, or actually (laughs) it was totally neutral. That's it. And I think that's actually key. I mean, the idea is that we don't develop attachment or aversion. So, um, um, and, and, and Dzogchen teachings actually guide you along that process. And so it was, it's simply being there in the presence of that pain and, but staring it in the face, almost looking for it, searching for, you look it, for the seeing, source of it. You look for the source of it and you keep going, you keep going. And then you actually realize that there, there is no source to that pain. The pain is actually in your perceiving of the, the pain. The pain is in the awareness. And when you're using your awareness to look for the pain, but ultimately the awareness sees the awareness and the pain disappears. Yes. And it does this with everything. Yes. Anything yes. and everything that haunts you. Yes. It can just be employed in the practice and you just recognize it doesn't even exist. Mm. I've never done this before. I'm so excited. I'm yeah, so excited to it. practice you're this. Love you'll I love think it. you in particular are going to like it. <laughs> yeah, you know, huh? I'm just like, want to like, oh my God, I want to learn. I want to learn about this. <laughs> wow. Can you imagine? I mean, just like, and, and you talk about this and entering the mind so people yeah. can 
get a little taste of it. So I want to hear about some of your other creative ventures. Uh, Tell me about Riot Material. Mm. What is your magazine? Well, Riot Material is a magazine Rachel and I started uh, six or seven years ago. We were really, I mean, I in particular, I'm a writer. Um, I love reading good art criticism or film criticism. Um, And it's really hard to read or to find good criticism uh, that speaks to film in a very- It's biased, uh, right? You mean? Well, it could be sloppy. You know, there's a lot of of like, I liked it because, you know, it's very simplified. And I I really like it when somebody approaches a, a creative project from a very equally thoughtful, place. And so the magazine was really born of finding the right writers to speak to art at every level. So the writing itself is just as engaging as perhaps the art might be, or sometimes even more interesting. Yeah. So, so that was, that was the purpose of, of that. And, you know, I have a lot of, a lot of writer friends and um, uh, we have a lot of artist friends. So, you know, we began the magazine kind of that small circle or that grouping of artists and writers and then it's kind of expanded from there to look at LA in general, New York, New York and, and a London. bit of London. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And and through art, music, film, um, mm. and and of course our, our dream is now to develop um develop our entering the mind column that will become a little bit more um expansive in the realm of well-being and spiritual spiritualism. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, because your your magazine seems very sophisticated, like a whole nother level to anything else out there. I mean, like maybe the Getty or there's some, you know, New York magazine. So some things, but but yeah, it's really unique. I was I was impressed by um the diversity of content, really. Yes, thank you. Thank Thank you. you. Yes. I mean, that's been, um, 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 I mean, Chris has been curating really from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, And also, as he said, you know, it was really um, creating a platform um, within a very sort of um, volatile, disturbing political environment that was that was actually free of politics, yet open to that word, that word that can be expressed um, for the people. Mm-hmm. And so um, through the art and through those who write about art. So it, yeah. it, it really has um, a beautiful, like curated voice around that context. Mm-hmm. We'll, let the, we'll let the artists themselves speak to the, the moment, the political moment mm-hmm. or, you know, the okay. cultural moment. And the writer basically speaks to what the artist is doing. So there's no overt commentary on, you know, the general scene. Because since the magazine's been been going, it kind of, began at the beginning of the Trump era and it really needed to speak to that, but not directly because there was all kinds of language being put to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and it also- That's so nice that it was indirect. Because yeah. you just don't yeah. want to like shove down your throat. You, you want to decide yeah. for yourself. I don't, I'm not Absolutely. interested in that energy. I'm not, I don't want to get involved yes. in that level. Yeah. Uh, but also I, I wanted the magazine to be free of advertising and that that yes. continual invasion of, of there's no advertising so how yeah. do you fund yeah. it do you do the artists pay you completely self-funded so it yeah it was really thriving for a bit it, we were putting a lot of money into it for a few years and then we realized after the pandemic hit we we're like well there's the money gone <laughs> so, 
So we got very creative and uh, we don't publish as often as we did before, but it's still, we're still putting it out there. And we're, mm -hmm. you know, we still it publish as, two to three articles a week or a month maybe Well, now. Okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Last month we had a good month, like seven or eight articles, but yeah, you know. a couple of weeks, maybe. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Well, the, I mean, maybe new revenue models will come up in your meditations. You yes. never know. <laughs> Set that intention. Yes. Um, because you're truly living your purpose. I, I can tell you're in oh, your you. Zen, you're in your flow. So Rachel, I want to talk a little bit about your time in fashion and what made you want to leave it all? <laughs> well, um, actually finding my true purpose made me leave it. <laughs> oh, because you found that your heart wasn't truly in it. Yes. Yes. Oh. Um, now I, I must, I must clarify that I've had an incredible career in fashion and I've loved every minute of it. It's been wonderful. I mean, I've, I've lived in different countries around the world. I've learned different languages. I've met so many incredible people. I've celebrities. Worked, I've worked with celebrities. Yeah. I've, I've really had a ball and um, uh, you know, and, and of course um, I left England when I was 21 and moved to Italy. So it all began then. And, um, and I put a lot of, um, you know, blood and sweat into it. I mean, I, I worked, um, as you know, you know, every, every, everyone sees the fashion industry as very glamorous and it is, it's also behind the scenes. It's a lot of work. And, um, yeah. but I was, I was happy for all of those opportunities and I loved every minute of it. Um, but I was um, a few years before the pandemic, I was feeling that it, it, it was time for it to close out. I was feeling that I had lived this incredible experience, but I was ready for a change. And I was ready to um, pursue art uh, in, in a more personal, involved way and, and also connect with my spirit again. And um, 10 years ago, C and I bought this beautiful property in the Mojave Desert. And that really brought me home. Nature just opened up my heart again. Aww. And I just felt that, wow, I'm home. This is where I need to be. And this is where I need to spend my time. And this is where I, I felt that this is where I, I can grow and evolve on that spiritual level. And so, so when the pandemic hit, I did, I lost my job and, um, and it was, it was good. You know, I, I had to go through a big adjustment. Um, I had to say mm -hmm. goodbye to that identity. I had to say goodbye to that ego. I had to but say- But was that by choice that you, you lost your job? You, you wanted to, that transition? Oh, well, interesting. So the, the losing my job was actually not my choice. Oh, okay. Um, that happened because of the pandemic. Yeah, um, but the higher but, power- But the higher power putting me there. So I was ready for it. So yeah. it was, it was a mix. It yeah, was yeah, a yeah. Bad. It was a bit of a shock. And, yeah. um, but I had to go through a little bit of a grieving process. And yeah. I had to grieve my old identity because we were talking 25 years of a career, wow. which really formulates how you see yourself, how other people mm -hmm. see yourself. Of course, that's a financial worth that comes with that too. Yes. So that all completely went out the window from one day to the next. And yeah, oh, that was, that was a, it was a blow, but it was, it was a death process I had to go through. And I, I mean that in a positive sense. And so I experienced um, also a rebirth and 
it took time, but I allowed myself to grieve. I allowed myself to let that go. I did a lot of different um, um, ceremonies with myself out in the in the desert and um, allowed myself to um, experience that letting go and encourage the cleansing of that. And, and I feel I'm, I'm through the other side of that veil. And, and now I, 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 I give honor and respect to my, my time in fashion and all of the beautiful people that I met along the way. Um, but I'm so happy on the path that I'm on now. Mm. That's amazing. How, what a gift the universe gave you, right? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Amazing. So what do you two think about NFTs in the art world? Do you feel they're sustainable and something you've considered? Um, We wouldn't consider them. No, Mm -hmm. Um, they might be sustainable in the sense that I think that the, um, the growing, um, um, attachment to virtual reality in all sense is growing amongst um, some of our collective consciousness. Um, but I actually feel that what's happening with our collective consciousness is that it's kind of becoming a little bit divided. And mm. I think that there's, there's, there's some of the species of humanity who are moving towards this. Let's attach ourselves to this virtual reality so that we mm. don't face the reality that we're in. And others like ourselves, I believe where we actually want to fully embrace and honor and embody these beautiful gifts as human life that we've been given. And and let's honor this life on this planet, this beautiful planet that we're given to to be nourished and to live. And and I think this collective consciousness is perhaps moving towards a different direction. And Mm -hmm. I'm definitely on this side uh, moving towards that because I do understand that these beautiful spiritual um, practices um, take you to understand that we are experiencing an emptiness, but that is not to say that it's nihilistic. That is not to say that we don't honor and respect every single second that we are blessed with in this three-dimensional beautiful world. So that's a, a, it might sound paradoxical, but that is actually the beautiful gift that these insights give us. Mm, I feel like a poem could come out of that. <laughs> that was so eloquent. Don't you think, Sivan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. She hasn't just come off her tongue, these poems. Oh, yeah. That's profound with some like beautiful art on the side. Okay. And and what about you, Sivan? Are you in alignment with the NFT well, I'm, a, I'm a bit amused by the whole NFT thing. Um, I just don't see how they, how they just keep selling for this thing these incredible these numbers that just are mind-blowing like a million or more <laughs> yeah a million right right my understanding of it is that they you take that piece and you put it in a virtual i don't you know i don't get it so okay um yeah i have no investment no, even i don't even think about it yeah i yeah i hear you okay so what is zen success to you guys zen success <laughs> well to me that kind of success, but for me, any kind of success involves a f- deepening understanding of who we are. Uh, you know, each one of us, like for myself, who am I? And to I want to be successful at learning these teachings to their ultimate essence, which would involve an awakening. That would be success. And everything 
to get there is just progress. It's purpose. It's you're doing the right thing. Mm. Um, so that's my idea of Zen success. Mm. And you agree, Rachel? Um, I definitely agree. Um, I think for myself, um, success for me um, is is becoming my absolute authentic self. Mm. And, and I think that's maybe because I'm aware that I've played a chameleon role much, especially in the world of fashion, where there's so much superficiality, there's so much of the mask, um, you know, which is, of course, it's a beautiful adorned body with clothing and makeup and hair and, you know, it's, but it's, a, it's, a, it's creating a false identity of what's really behind the individual. And wow. so I've, I've played with this my whole time. I've been, uh, you know, I've been part of creating that identity, which is a false identity, yet it's offering a dream and it's offering an opportunity for somebody to aspire to. So um, there's, I'm not saying that that's an, an evil misinterpretation of an identity, but it's something that's playing with this idea of who we are and who we are not. And I think I'm done with all of that. And so my, my idea of success is, is that each person may find those means that work for them to connect and be with their authentic selves. Mm. Wow. You both are so deep and so profound. I just feel like I learned so much in this brief 50 minutes. It's been such a pleasure connecting with you, learning about your latest book. We thank love we you. love you. We could spend more time with you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah, whenever you want us back on, just well, maybe chance. you guys oh. will hold a retreat in the desert, and I'll come. Ooh, okay. Yes. I'll yes. plant that I'm, seed. I'm working on something. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, keep me on your list. Okay, so everybody in the audience, get their book, Entering the Mind. It will literally save your life or a family member and just buy multiple. So I'll leave your website in the show notes. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. much. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Zen Success. I would love to get your feedback at zensuccesspodcast.com on what topics you'd be most interested in and what Zen Success is to you. Thanks for listening.